The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 127. And Joey, I think one of us today has a new phone. Mickey Papillon is a cell phone junkie. I did make the switch and I am over with AT&T. As the rumor has been going, I did order a Centro. So I guess I would compare it to something like Mobile Utopia. Worst battery life ever. All right, we ready? Recording. Here we go. The DOJ approves Verizon's acquisition of Altel. The BlackBerry Bold is available if you're willing to pay the price. And iPhone 2.2 firmware rumors. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. And first off today, just wanted to mention that the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked show number seven has been posted. This week we had Roger Hemingway on, and he's a tower expert that is um, knows pretty much everything there is to know about towers. And Joey, I, I'm pretty sure you'll agree that he was a, a great person to have on. Um, I learned a lot from talking with Roger. Yeah, I really like that uh, topic a lot. I'm kind of... Uh kind of a back-end sort of guy as far as the technology goes, and I, I really really am fascinated about that. Yeah, and you can get all the information that you need on it by heading over to thecellphonejunkie.com and clicking on the link for TCPJ Unlocked on the right-hand side. Also, briefly, I just wanted to mention that uh, we appreciate the donations that were received this week. We got a couple of them and just wanted to say thank you very much for those uh, that took the time uh, to go over to thecellphonejunkie.com and uh, click on the donate link and, and send us the money. Of, co- of course, they're very much appreciated, but they're never solicited. Uh, but just wanted to mention it for those that have donated. We certainly do appreciate it. Into the headlines this week, cable provider Cox Communications announced that it will build its own cellular wireless network. They won some Spectrum this year in the 700 megahertz auction, and they said they will use the Sprint network to enter the market in early 2009. At the same time, they're going to also build their own 3G wireless network to cover more markets into 2009. They plan to test out the fourth generation technology LTE, and Cox customers will be able to use their mobile phone to access television programming, programming on their DVR, and access content saved to their home computer and other services. Cox Communications is one of the biggest cable providers in the western part of the U.S., providing video, phone, and internet services. Korea's Lucky Gold Star, better known as LG, is going to target emerging markets with hopes to sell half of its phones it produces in certain Asia, Africa, and Latin American countries, with phones priced at $100 to $150. LG has focused mostly on mid-range devices up until this point, selling 23 million handsets in the third quarter, with only 11.5% profit margin. LG is currently the world's fourth largest handset manufacturer, but wants to be the third largest. Motorola posted its third quarter results this past week, which show that the company has lost nearly $400 million. Due to the loss, Motorola decided to postpone the planned spinoff of the mobile phone division. The spinoff was originally slated to happen by the third quarter of 2009. Motorola sold 25.4 million cell phones in the third quarter, down from the 28.1 million it sold in the second. The cell phone unit lost 840 million on 3.1 billion in revenue for the quarter. Motorola did not say when the planned spinoff would occur. Sprint's popular family locator service is now only $5 per line per month. The service previously cost $10 per month. Family locator allows parents to log in on any web-enabled Sprint phone or a computer uh, to use a GPS to see their child's location on an interactive map, even when the child is using their phone to make a call or sending a text. 
MasterCard this week offered a set of tools for its financial institution partners that allow them to offer customized mobile banking products. MasterCard over-the-air provisioning service lets credit card issuers perform over-the-air personalization of their cardholders' mobile devices. The service also allows issuers to implement PayPass on mobile programs. It's up to the individual card issuers to offer the mobile banking services to the cardholders. After many false starts over the past year, AT&T is now offering free Wi-Fi to the iPhone, and coming later this year will support BlackBerry, Pearl, 8820, and The Bold, as long as they're subscribed to an unlimited data plan. AT&T has more than 10,000 hotspots, including Starbucks and Barnes & Noble locations. Sprint Nextel announced that it's going to rejuvenate its Nextel IDEN network. They decided that the IDEN network is a key asset and uh, it will do what is necessary to reinvigorate the Nextel services and the brand. To that end, Sprint and Motorola have extended their commitments to one another. Sprint said that it will launch launch eight new IDEN phones during 2009. Sprint has strengthened the IDEN network with more cell towers, and they've also mentioned that it will be retooling its Boost Mobile prepaid service. In early 2009, Boost Mobile plans to introduce Boost Unlimited on the IDEN network, offering a nationwide home calling area for one monthly fee. In light of this announcement, it is clear that Sprint no longer intends to sell off the Nextel network assets. Into the news this week, the first story that we wanted to talk about is an article from the Wall Street Journal talking about leaving the laptop behind. In this age, when we've got so many smartphones out there, many frequent travelers are opting to not bring their laptops with them when they go on a business trip, rather relying on their mobile phones to not only view, but also create Word, Excel, and PowerPoint documents, and also to send and receive email and browse the internet. There are a number of different devices that are out there uh, from uh, the Redfly, which we'll get some comments on later in the questions and comments portion, to um, just smartphones in general that are that powerful that can take on anything that needs to happen. The 3G services that ha- uh, that are available here in the U.S. include the EVDO connections through Sprint, Verizon, and Altel, as well as the 3G uh, HSDPA services from GSM providers AT&T and new to the market T-Mobile. These particular, all these services put together really allow the mobile phone user to get more done faster uh, than not having to carry around their laptop everywhere. So, Joey. What are, what are some things that, that you kind of think about this? Because when I think about traveling, uh, oftentimes I'll bring a laptop, but for very specific reasons and almost all the stuff that I'm doing. I know you've got a trip coming up here. Uh, is yours coming along with you? Yeah, um, it, definitely not a laptop, just the smartphone. Uh, there's kind of two reasons for this. First of all, um, we, traditionally on a, you know, plane travel, for example, you bring your laptop along because you can watch a movie on it. Uh, now we've got, you know, media players to replace that, uh, maybe, uh, an iPod, for example, or you watch it on the cell phone. So, um, that aspect of bringing a laptop is now kind of a moot point. And now, of course, with, you know, with what you mentioned, the, the data and the smartphones uh, becoming so popular and so inexpensive uh, with a lot of models, uh, you know, you just don't need much else than email on most, you know, most trips. So, uh, you know, you're basically covered. And as far as a lot of the phones go, you can edit and, uh, you know, send, you know, Word, Excel, Office documents around and view PDF. So it's, uh, you know, almost all the bases are covered. Well, the uh, the article references a survey that was done by research firm Instat. 
and they talked to over 1,400 technology users. And while only 3% of the smartphone users said that they rely exclusively on the phone when they're on the road, um, 7% said that they admitted to um, they regularly carry uh, more than one laptop with them. So there are still people out there that will, you know, carry as many things as they think that they're going to possibly need. Um, But even with that information, 52% of the respondents said that they could definitely envision using a smartphone in the future as their sole computing device, provided that the companies make improvements like better keyboards and expandable screens and, of course, applications that they need when they're working on their PCs. I think that's probably the big key is that not all people are able to do everything on their smartphone that they are on their PC. And certain, uh, you know, possibly Web 2.0 applications could, could get them over this hurdle. So it is kind of nice to see that a lot of people um, are, are, are at least thinking this way because it certainly cuts down on the clutter and the amount of stuff that you carry with you. You know, for me, the only thing I'd really need a laptop for right now is to do a a remote desktop connection, Um, you know, something through like VNC, uh, but I'd have to first do a VPN tunnel. I know the Central can do a VPN. I haven't tried it. Uh, I haven't installed a VPN, and I know there is a Palm VNC client, Um, so I suppose I could really give that a a shot and, and then completely eliminate the absolute need for a laptop to come with me. But of course, a lot of places where you go, there are computers available to use. I, it, and this would be kind of more of an emergency uh, situation for me. Yeah. And I've have used uh, VNC clients before. Um, I remember on the trio um, when I was using a, a windows uh, desktop computer as my primary device at home, I was able to use the trio to, to tunnel in and to get on the device and actually do things on there. Granted, you're kind of scrolling around the screen in a, in a kind of a clunky fashion because obviously the uh, resolution of the screen on the, the desktop is a lot smaller, or excuse me, on the handheld is a lot slower, smaller than on the desktop. So you're, you're, you've got that to contend with. But otherwise, it, it was definitely very workable and the speed was, um, was fine. I wouldn't say it was you know, lightning fast, but um, workable at the very least. So yeah, definitely something that, that could, uh, could overcome that issue for you into the future, for sure. Verizon reporting a 31% increase in net income. This is uh, coming off of their, uh, their third quarter report. Uh, they reported revenue of $24.8 billion, up from $23.8 billion for the third quarter of 2007. And it was up $1.3 billion uh, to $1.7 billion. Uh, revenue for Verizon Wireless near, up nearly 13% from $11.3 billion to $12.7 billion. And like I said, the net income was up about 31%. So a very, uh, very strong uh, you know, financial report from Verizon Wireless. Their customer base grew by more than 11%, uh, now at 68.8 million customers and 70.8 million total, uh, excuse me, retail versus total customers. Uh, the growth is 2.1 million, and that includes the August acquisition of Rural Sailor, which brought them 630,000 customers. And uh, so this will uh, definitely be increasing uh, as we move forward. And obviously, Verizon Wireless is at the acqu- making the acquisition of Alltel Wireless here before too, uh, too long. And with that, they will acquire another, I believe it's uh, 13 million subscribers. So we'll be uh, jumping up to well past that 80 million point. Well, T-Mo News this week leaked out some info about T-Mobile's price plans changing. It looks like uh, they are not going to be as cheap as they once were. Uh, Some of the plans that are affected are BlackBerry users who want unlimited data and unlimited messaging. And among some of the changes is a data cap 
for the T-Mobile Shadow. And uh, so it looks like if you're someone who's using a BlackBerry, you're going to, and you want unlimited data and messaging, your cost is going to now be $34.99. And if you want just a, a unlimited data, but 400 messaging package, you're going to be at $24.99. Smartphones are going to be the same uh, as far as data and messaging, $34.99 and $24.99 respectively. The T-Mobile G1 uh, has the same prices as well. And the Shadow will be a 100 megabyte plan with unlimited messaging for $20 and a 50 megabyte plan with 200 messages for $10 a month. So keep in mind those in pieces of information if you are looking to get a new T-Mobile plan, current uh, subscribers are not affected. UK train operator C2C has taken a step in enforcing its quiet zone in certain train carriages that blocks cell phone signals. It's borrowing a technique from the defense industry where transparent conductive film is placed over the windows to stop electronic signals uh, from sensitive equipment from leaking out. It is turning the quiet carriages into Faraday cages so you won't be bothered by cell phone calls and also creating a, a little zone of, uh, of non-RF signals. This is something that is very interesting, Joey, because when you look at uh, the number of people that I think don't you know, necessarily care about these types of you know, rules or maybe they couldn't get on a regular car and so now they're having to you know, get on one of these quiet zone cars, they're just going to completely ignore this. And it's, I think, nice to see that they're at least taking that step. But um, a very unique uh, idea with the conductive um, film that's placed over the windows. Absolutely. I think we've got, uh, um, you know, the, this technology is going to probably become uh, more common, I, I think, in, in restaurants and, and, you know, more public areas. It, it'll granted be real limited in its scope because of the, you know, the emergency aspect of it. So there'll probably never be an area, you know, greater than 100 feet by 100 feet, you know, kind of thing. Uh, where you won't be able to get a signal um, due to due to emergencies and, and emergency responders. What about SMS? Do you think SMS is going to be completely affected by this? You know, I I bet there's still be enough signal kind of coming in and out, even even in the Faraday cage, uh, such as this uh, train car, that SMS may still get through. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, anyway, so if you're if you've got experience with this, uh, you know, let us know. It sounds very interesting. And um, certainly something that may be catching on, depending on the type of application that they could retrofit it to. U.S. Cellular launching mobile broadband in certain parts of the country. They announced this past week that customers in southern Wisconsin would be able to surf the Internet over their new EVDO technology. Mobile broadband, of course, speeds are have been in use with such providers as Verizon, Sprint, and Altel on the EVDO-type networks. Uh, U.S. Cellular also rolling out the service uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and of course, Southern Wisconsin, uh, in response to customer demand. Uh, they're also looking to roll out more cities in early 2009. An interesting comment in this article from the director of sales for U.S. Sailor, Chris Rathsack, mentioned that the technology would allow increased capacity and data and voice usage happening at the same time. This piece of information, um, both Joey and I, as we were talking about this, found uh, a little shocking that they would actually come out with this statement because it's not true. You have to realize that EVDO um, connections, while you can still receive an incoming call when you're using the data on the device, there's no way to do a simultaneous voice and data connection at the same time. Joey, anything you'd like to add with that? 
Yeah, it's just once you finish your phone call, then you can resume your data connection. Yeah, but it's not uh, simultaneous. So make sure that if you're interested in uh, with the, the 3G connection with US Cellular, that you keep that in mind, that you will not be able to do both at the same time. HSDPA is the technology that AT&T and now T-Mobile use, and they're the ones that allow this. So keep in mind the differences between those two as uh, you, you would need to make that decision if you were looking to um, have the ability to do both at the same time. We talked last week about the details on Sprint's uh, early termination fee proration starting, and uh, we've got some more this week, so we wanted to run through these. The early termination fee policy applies to all new contracts beginning on November 2nd of this year, 2008. Uh, Both new customers and new contracts and existing customers with renewed contracts are available. So if you are with Sprint right now in a contract, you have to renew it to take advantage of the early termination proration. What that means is the early termination fee will be uh, at the max $200. So for the first four months of your contract, you are still charged that $200 to get out if you cancel your contract outside of that first 30 days. So keep in mind, you do have a 30-day period to cancel your, uh, your that guarantee period that you can cancel within. After that, the, the amount starts going down by $10 per month, and it goes all the way down to month number uh, six and where it hits $50 and then it sits at $50 uh, until the first month. And then it says it is Sprint's policy to waive the early termination fee if the customer is within the last 30 days of their contract commitment. Um, I would uh, just be very careful if you are within that last 30 days to make sure that you get that information um, either in writing or you have some sort of guarantee because um, it's from what I understand it Sometimes if you cancel your contract within the last couple of days, even if you know you're supporting over to someone else, sometimes that early termination fee can still be charged. So, uh, But those are the details of it where it's a $10 decreasing um, charge per month uh, down to six months. And then once you're at the six months and you can you sit at $50. So if you're within the last half year of your contract, uh, not too bad. Now, I wonder if, if you've signed on for Sprint, not in the last 30 days, but maybe 60 days ago you signed on with Sprint, can you call them up and say, I just want to renew my contract right now with just, you know, no equipment subsidy or anything like that? Will they renew your contract so then you could be on the uh, the uh, prorated plan? Because that, that could save you quite a bit of money. Well, or I th- poten- potentially. I, um, I, I wonder if they would do that. I, you know, it'd be interesting to find out if, if they, in fact, have, have made a... Um, you know, any sort of, uh, you know, policy on that. Because quite honestly, I think a lot of people, uh, if they're smart and they figured that out, they would probably want to do it. We need a scapegoat. If someone's in a two-year contract with them and has recently started, try and do it. Starting um, after this Sunday, November 2nd, give, a, give them a call. Say you want to renew your contract because if you've got a renewal after that particular period, you then get this, this proration. Obviously, you'll get to the certain point where it's not going to make a lot of financial sense to do so. But if you've done it, if you've recently renewed, this may be a good thing to check out. So I'd be very interested to find out if, in fact, that does work or not. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah. All right. The Department of Justice has finally approved the Verizon wireless purchase of Altel. However, they are saying that Verizon will need to divest 100 different markets in 22 different states. The divestitures cover North Dakota and South Dakota in their entirety and significant swaths of Colorado. 
Georgia, Kansas, Montana, South Carolina, Utah, and Wyoming. Smaller portions of Alabama, Arizona, California, Idaho, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Nevada, New Mexico, North Carolina, Ohio, and Virginia are also included. The FCC still has to approve the acquisition and is voting on the matter next week. Well, onto some devices here. The BlackBerry Bold is sure to be out very, very soon. We are hoping to see this within the next couple of weeks on the AT&T network. But if you just can't wait to get your hands on it, you can head over to Best Buy and get your pre-order in for the low, low price of $680. It's an unsubsidized price, of course, um, but uh, you're going to uh, obviously not need to sign a contract with that price. And they're saying their estimated time of arrival is listed at one to two weeks right now. So um, if you're interested in getting your name on that list and you want to make sure that you be one of the first ones to get it and get it sent to you, Best Buy is uh, your deal for $680. And you think that's expensive. CompUSA also having the uh, has the BlackBerry Bold. They say they have it uh, to ship out today for the bargain price of $800. Uh, 680 versus 800 I, I don't think it really matters. These are still very expensive. And a, a short conversation about this. Joey, are these prices just getting higher and higher on unlocked devices, or, or is it just me? Because they seem very high. Yeah, they do seem kind of high. It, it, I don't know if it's just because laptops have come down in price so much where you can buy a, a really nice laptop for, you know, $500 now. Um, you know, these unlocked smartphones seem like they're kind of ridiculous. I purchased my um, QTech 9100, which was the um, QTech branded version of the HTC Wizard back in November of 2005. And at that time, I believe I paid six ninety nine for it. And uh, obviously, that seemed very, very high. Um, but you're right. They just they keep staying at these high price points. Um, yeah, everything else seems to be coming down, right? So why? Yeah. Why are a lot they- of electronics are, have dropped in price so much in in the same time period? You know, including laptops and even you know iPods, for example, have, have come down dramatically in these uh, few years. And the feature set, yeah, it's a, it's there's more features, but not. A lot more features compared to your 05 model as far as the actual hardware goes. Mm-hmm. Not a lot more. I mean, it's a lot smaller, but you know the, the feature set isn't dramatically improved. So the, the prices are holding pretty steady on these, uh, kind of amazingly. Yep, absolutely they are. And you want another device that is uh, actually a little bit more expensive. The uh, successor to the Nokia N95, the N96, is available on a, a pre-order uh, basis at Best Buy now, the N96 for $899, so add another $100 to that if you're interested in the N96. And I would hold off on this one because I'm, I am I have a, an idea uh, that this is probably going to drop down in the, the upcoming months once it gets released. Uh, probably won't be $899 forever, so uh, keep that in mind. But if you want to get it right away, that's uh, going to be your price if you get it from Best Buy. Orange is going to be the exclusive offer for the HTC Touch HD in the UK. They announced this week that Orange's network, uh, starting in early November, would be the only carrier to um, have the device in in the UK. So if you're interested in the Touch HD, the 3.8-inch high-resolution WVGA touchscreen uh, with HTC's hardware is one of the... uh, 
one of the nicer devices if you're looking for a full touchscreen Windows Mobile-based device. Uh, other specifications on the device, just to recap, a quad-band GSM slash uh, tri-band HSDPA WCDMA radio, uh, Windows Mobile 6.1 with HTC's TouchFlow 3D, of course, the 3.8-inch screen, 5-megapixel camera with autofocus, 512 megabytes of flash memory, uh, flash ROM with 288 megs of RAM, a micro... Uh, Micro SD memory card, a capable slot uh, with uh, Wi-Fi, GPS, and Bluetooth. Has the uh, 1350 milliamp hour battery and the Qualcomm 7201A 528 megahertz chipset. Next here, the Verizon Samsung UbiCell should be around before too long. Like the Sprint's Air AirRave, this is a um, PicoCell type device that you put in your house, and it allows you to connect up to your internet connection, and it will then in turn send out a cellular signal. So it's basically your own personal cell phone tower where it takes your uh, takes your internet connection and uses that to route all your cell phone calls. It works for 850 and 1900 megahertz bands, so both Verizon bands, and it also has support for EVDO, which I believe is uh, a change from Sprint's version, which only had the 1XRTT connection. No word yet on a release date, a cost, or anything else on the hardware, but it's probably going to be something that you pick up for less than $100 and then adds on a monthly service price to your bill. HTC's G1 will be available for sale at Walmart. Walmart confirmed this week that they'll begin selling the HTC G1 Android phone for the discounted price of $148.88 with a new T-Mobile contract. It's currently on sale at T-Mobile USA retailers for $179.99. The G1 will be available in all 550 Walmart stores uh, starting this week, and the price point uh, does include a rebate. The Pantex Slate goes on sale at AT&T this week. The Slate is a, a candy bar style messaging phone with a full QWERTY keyboard. It has a quad band GSM and Edge radio with Bluetooth. It's a 2.2 inch display, 1.3 megapixel camera with quick access to a host of messaging services, including email, SMS, MMS, and instant messaging. It's $50 after rebate and new to, and new to your agreement, and it is from Pantex. The AT&T Fuse is, looks, looks like it will be released on November 4th. It is a, um, uh, basically the HTC Touch Pro, which will be available here very soon from Sprint as well. And this device is, uh, looks to be around the $300 price point. If you're familiar with the Diamond, add the slide-out QWERTY keyboard on it, and you've got yourself the AT&T Fuse. Motorola's Razer 2 V9X appeared on the AT&T website. They began selling the device in uh, this week at eight on AT&T.com, and it shares most of the features of the V9, but also adds support for the AT&T Navigator service, which makes other improvements compared to the V9. Among the new features on the phone are access to more features on the external display, video share, boosted memory support for up to 8 gigabytes, and increased talk and standby times. It will sell for $200 after rebates with a new agreement. Asus is said to be launching the, the, uh, an Android handset in the first half of 2009. The phone uh, says uh, that some unnamed company sources say will roll out in the first half of 2009 and could possibly be released in Taiwan, first under Asus's own brand before making its way overseas in the form of a different customized model from various clients. Uh, any other details are non-existent at this point, 
but some sources say that Asus will be phasing out uh, its use of the Ericsson mobile platform in its phones and favor the handset platform from Qualcomm and Marvel, which is an interesting uh, concept in that both Qualcomm and Marvel are are members of the OHA um, alliance, which Ericsson is not. Next, the Samsung C6620 is a Windows Mobile 6 device with a front-facing QWERTY keyboard on it. A uh, little much, little to, to mention about this one uh, other than it's going to be a tri-band GSM device and uh, HSDPA with Bluetooth, and it will be selling for 199 euros. It does have a 2-megapixel camera on it, and uh, looks like it's going to be available from Italian carrier TIM and not available here in the U.S. quite yet. Garmin has reaffirmed this week that sometime in the first half of 2009, the Nuvi phone will no longer be vaporware. This particular phone was mentioned back in early 2008 as a device that was going to be a competition to the iPhone. However, after about six months of absolutely no information, they started to talk about uh, the Nuvi phone again in that it will be a uh, GPS navigation-based phone with a large touchscreen on it and will be available with a $500 price tag sometime in the first half of 2009. Uh, I have a, an a honest feeling that I think this phone is, is not going to really last all that long um, on the market just because the specifications on it at this point are getting a little on the, you know, long in the tooth side, shall we say, and will probably, uh, probably kind of phase itself out before it even hits the market. Altel is getting Samsung's first U.S. TouchWiz phone. Altel and Samsung announced the Delve, a new phone using the TouchWiz user interface. TouchWiz has widgets that allow users to customize and personalize their phone, as well as drag-and-drop applications onto the phone top. It's a 3-inch touch display with a software QWERTY keyboard and haptic feedback. The Delve is a mono-block phone with EVDO, Bluetooth, and A2DP, as well as GPS. A 2-megapixel camera and video capture, as well as a 3.5mm headset jack, supporting micro SD cards up to 8GB and a full HTML web browser. It can be pre-ordered starting today and is available in retail stores beginning on November 7th for $250 after rebates with a new two-year agreement. The Trio 750, one of my personal favorite devices, looks like it is uh, finally hit its end of life. It's no longer available on the AT&T website. Looks like the Samsung Epix was the replacement for it, and it is uh, uh, still uh, to be purchased in the unlocked f- uh, form on the at or excuse me, the Palm website for five hundred and twenty-nine dollars. So if you really have to have it, uh, you can pop over to Palm.com and pick it up. Um, but it is uh, looks like this has finally been completed as far as the uh, the sales of it. And if you're uh, hopefully you've picked up your Windows Mobile Six upgrade for it because it is no longer on the Palm website either. Sprint's Trio Pro. Yeah, we talked about it a little while ago. Looks like it is catching a little bit more traction here on the Sprint mobile software store where you could up- update your uh, your software for the picture mail um, for MMS messages on Windows mobile devices. Has in the drop-down list the Palm Trio Pro right underneath the Palm Trio 800W. So it does look like, indeed, Sprint will be getting this device. No other information at this point other than they've kind of slipped and stuck it in uh, their... Uh, you know, their update process for the MMS mail. 
In software this week, a uh, number of rumors this week about iPhone's 2.2 firmware got out. Uh, A number of screenshots about the new firmware, including what appears to be the ability to download podcasts directly to your iPhone. Uh, This could also explain why Apple has rejected the podcaster application this past month. Uh, Also, Mac rumors, uh, Arnold Kim has linked uh, a a story talking about um, the speculation that there will be increased participation in the App Store rating process. Also, OM uh, Malachi's Apple blog showed off some screenshots on Google's Street View, which will apparently be available uh, by rotating the device into landscape mode. Public transportation support and directions for walking also seem to be included. Uh, Also this week, Google announced that they will have the Google Earth application for the iPhone. So uh, the first desktop application ported by Google to the mobile phone, Google Earth, is available on the desktop and now on the iPhone a very unique program that allows you to take a look at the Earth from a space view and then zoom in on a particular area. You can also do a flyby view if you do uh, directions from one area to another. And also it uh, will allow for use um, with the GPS that's built in to the iPhone itself. So you'll be able to take a look from a, a, a kind of a, a 30,000 foot view, if you will, all the way down to where you're located. And uh, it's a very exciting application for the iPhone and will work over the over Wi-Fi networks and mobile phone towers as well. Uh, as I just mentioned, the iPhone 2.2 software will feature Google Street View with mass transit directions. Uh, this is a, a very different way of thinking about how to use this this phone and uh, this, this, this particular service on the phone, I should say. Uh, no word when 2.2 will actually arrive, but the ability to see different views on the street will give people a much different sense as they're walking around to see what they're actually standing by or looking at. Of course, the Google Maps application works with the GPS also built into the phone, which makes it very easy to find out exactly where you are. Microsoft Office document editing is also coming to the uh, Apple phone this particular software package looks to be coming from DataViz. And when it does come out, it will have the ability to view, edit, and create native Word, Excel, and PowerPoint files and attachments. Uh, it will s- include full support for Microsoft Office Word 2007 and PowerPoint 2007, and will feature full editing functionality. Uh, this will be a, a very exciting thing for those that do a lot of uh, processing of documents on their handsets, including the ability to insert and delete tables for word processing files, sorting spreadsheets, and applying cell formatting into particular spreadsheets as well. So take a look at uh, the link we've got here in the show notes if you're interested in this. Again, this is something that DataViz will be providing, and once it gets, uh, it's in a coming soon fashion. So once it gets approved by the iTunes App Store, folks, will be available. And uh, I use Documents to Go a lot on the uh, the Sprint Central because it comes with it uh, bundled. Um, and I've used their products for a lot of years, and uh, they make really good, uh, you know, Excel or Microsoft Office compatible uh, products. So that should be really nice for the uh, iPhone owners who want to have a little bit more smartphone in their smartphone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, be nice if they could do copy and paste because I know that would uh, that would really kind of seal it uh, for a lot of people and the ability to do a lot of you know work on their phones because yeah exactly because you know. I use copy and paste constantly in Documents to Go so I I, mm-hmm. I would maybe they'll even implement their own copy paste within Documents to Go now don't go starting rumors like that Joey well <laughs> they may they they probably have I mean they have the power to do it within their own, within their own application. Sure, sure, of course. But uh, actually, that would be actually very, 
very neat to see if they were to kind of you know trump uh, everything that's going on in the development of the operating system and put that in there because um, like you said that's that's what I use a lot too is I've got a, a few word documents and I do a lot of you know copy and pasting of um, of different things throughout those it just makes sense very easy to use Log me in coming for the iPhone and iPod Touch. If you're familiar with the Log me in service, it allows users to access their internet-connected computers wherever you want. This is a service that uh, I actually was talking about earlier with the VNC. Uh, this is what I had used. It wasn't actually VNC. It was Log me in, and it allows to basically by st- installing a very small application um, on the client PC and then an application on the, uh, the, the the handheld device that you're using. You can take full control of the uh, the desktop and do whatever you need to on it. So you can uh, register for the beta uh, from logmein.com. The Quick Service, which is a video streaming service, is now available for Blackberries, initially for the Blackberry Pearl and the Curve and other models to follow. They expect to reach a, a beta version, currently in an alpha version, within the next few weeks. Verizon's Q9C had been suffering from some freezing problems. Uh, apparently, the phone itself was, uh, the, people were seeing a very strange issue when you'd go to a start system tools memory manager. It would say a certain amount of memory uh, was uh, available. If you checked yes and hit next, it would come up with the message. The fact that your device storage value reads uh, 48 or whatever means that your device is vulnerable. And so what they've done is they've put out a fix for this particular issue. So if you've got the Q9C on Verizon, head over to Motorola dot com slash q nine c fix on your PC for all the details. Open Moco's GTA 02 handset is rumored to join the Android party before too long here. Uh, looks like the Android guys have, have have found that the Android phone will operate under the project name GTA 02 and resemble something like the Neo Freerunner. The phone is said to have a 2.8-inch screen with 640 by 480 resolution, Wi-Fi, a 3-axis accelerometer, and a 4 to 500 megahertz processor along with 128 megs of RAM and 256 megs of ROM, uh, assisted GPS, and a laser pen. Uh, Further specifications on the price, release date, and features are really not available at this point, but it will be very fun to see what the open source hardware maker can do when it joins forces with the open source software of Android. Uh, Joey, this is, I think, a fun device. We've talked about the open runner before, excuse me, the free runner before, and how just a lot of people kind of in the underground world have really taken to these, uh, you know, these open source uh, platforms here on, on devices, and it's it's really specialized. But at the same time, uh, Android is you know pretty much basing itself off of uh, you know off of the open source type of deal. So, um, what do you think with this one? Well, we're definitely going to see um, a lot more development coming in with Android, obviously, and it it really could become a very powerful operating system for the the you know the, for the mobile devices here in the next year, and uh, it it'll be fun to see where Android goes, if it's going to just stick to our standard form factor handsets, or if it's going to start branching out into other form factors, you know, similar to like the, the micro PCs or the, the ultra mobile PCs, 
or maybe some other sort of devices we're not quite uh, we haven't quite seen yet so you know the, this kind of you know having this kind of software available for free is, is will really spur development and and exciting new products and obviously the the hardware specs of this particular phone the open moku here is is not real strong but obviously once they start building their you know building the reputation i'm sure those specs will improve Oh, absolutely. And sticking with the Android you know, theme here, the EA has revealed a number of gaming plans, including Tetris, Bejeweled, uh, and Monopoly for the Android platform. So looking at some additional development uh, for the platform here, it's, it's good to see that this platform, has, this operating system has taken off the way that it has. Uh, and the, the amount of support that's behind it has really been positive for those that are uh, interested in, in using it. And obviously you don't want to get into an OS that's not going to give you um, a lot of development into the future that's going to be stale or stagnant or anything like that. So great to see that some of these uh, like you know, companies like Electronic Arts are jumping into this game as uh, you know, in developing some of these uh, you know, particular games that uh, people will definitely take advantage of and use. And finally in software this week, in a recent PC Magazine story, Windows Mobile 6.5 was leaked out. Motorola's CEO said that there will be a stopover to Windows Mobile 6.5 before Windows Mobile 7 comes out. When asked about how effective Windows Mobile is in competing with the iPhone, Motorola said, quote, Windows Mobile 6 has not delivered the experience that I think Apple has been able to deliver, but as you look at the plan that Windows Mobile 7 and even Windows Mobile 6.5 has, I think there are significant new added features which will help the platform. We'll have to see what this actually means if this particular, uh, you know, OS is going to actually come out, or if there will just be some uh, incremental upgrades and uh, uh, you know updates to Windows Mobile 6.1 uh, before 6.5 comes out. Yeah, unless this uh, unless this person was actually referring to Windows Mobile 6.1, which is possible because there were uh, quite a quite a few new features for it. Um, on you know, yeah, I was just thinking here. Isn't there a, an Internet Explorer uh, upgrade due soon that we just well, read a few weeks ago? Maybe that's what they're going to build into 6.5 and, and call that a new version. Could be. It's actually relatively stable. Uh, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but I'm going to because I can. Um, the HTC Touch Diamond is a phone that I've been using on and off for uh, about four or five months now. And once I, got, um, once I got over the fact that it doesn't have a 3G connection... I've actually been relatively happy with it. What I haven't been happy with is the TouchFlow 3D, and it's a a constant source of crashing, and it still seems to be fairly buggy. That said, uh, for the last week, I've actually turned off the TouchFlow 3D, and this has been an unbelievably stable device. I have not had to reset it uh, once since last weekend. So for me, a five days without a reset on a Windows mobile device is, is fantastic. I'm very happy with it. So that being uh, kind of going back to this, this story in Windows Mobile 6.1 slash 6.5 or whatever they're going to call it, the stability of Windows Mobile really has come a long way, and I'm excited uh, to, to be able to say that and to talk about Windows and in, in not being such a, oh, let's just call it, uh, you know, volatile environment because it, it, it really has come a long way. Um, you know, so, Joey, I, I think you've got, you've got something there that it really could be something where they're just going to add on something and release it uh, with, maybe with a new browser. Yeah, because we, we did have that news from Microsoft that they were going to be doing that. And I know it was supposed to be in Windows Mobile 6.1, but I guess it didn't end up in there. Um, so, I mean, I can't imagine us seeing that much 
um, in Windows Mobile 6.5. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's even a, a real name, right? Exactly. Like, it, it it could be just a slip of uh, someone in an interview talking about. It could have meant six point one because they thought about six, and then oh, it's the next one, six point five. You know, so exactly. We'll see. Questions and comments this week. First one is a question from Milan. He says, Hi, I am new to the cell phone world. I'm looking for a phone, but I have a few questions and concerns. First of all, my computer is old and slow, so I won't be able to load some of the pages, and that is why I'm emailing you and not just browsing over to your site. Many of my friends, well, most, have cell phones and are with different providers. All have good and bad things to say about all of them. I'm wondering what provider you would recommend for the for Western Canada, specifically Alberta. I was thinking either Rogers or Telus, but I have problems with Rogers. I've heard that they have come under scrutiny under in the business law world for fraud concerning their contracts and resetting them whenever you change things. Any help in making this choice is most appreciated. Okay, so first of all, let's just talk about um, just a, a, sh- a short recap of, of what Canada's cellular landscape looks like. There are three main companies that really own all of the networks in Canada. Those are Rogers Wireless, which is a division of the larger Rogers Empire that owns a lot of the cable TV service uh, and many radio stations and magazines up there. Bell Mobility, which is a division of Bell Canada, which is owned by Bell Canada Enterprises, which is uh, owns the CTV television network and most of the landline systems in Ontario and Quebec. Um, and also they are the parent company of Northern Telecom. Finally, TELUS Mobility, who is a conglomerate of Western telephone and technology companies. And uh, they are were one time own, at one time owned by the Alberta provincial government, though TELUS is no longer affiliated with them. Um, there are four physical networks, a GSM-1 owned by Rogers, a CDMA system owned by Bell Mobility, and a CDMA system owned by TELUS Mobility, in addition to the IDEN system that is also owned by TELUS. Um, there are many virtual network providers out there, um, very, very much like the U.S., uh, such as Virgin um, and Fido. So, um, so those are, there are, those are the, the big three, though, to, to really look at. And what I would say is if you want to really get a good sense for what is going to be the best company that is going to work for you, you need to take a look at all the companies and start talking to people because the people who actually use the particular networks are going to be the best advocates or ones that have the worst things to say about the networks because they're going to be able to to tell you where they work and where they don't work. Um, for example, if you've got someone who uh, has the Rogers network and you can have them test out their phone at your office and or at your home, those are the areas that you're going to use your phone the most and where you're really going to take advantage of having or need to take advantage of having good service. So keep those in mind as you're looking at the service. Talking about contract changing, that is something that, um, you know, while Rogers may do that and they've come under scrutiny for it, um, boy, that is something that a lot of the companies here do as well. You go in, you make a change to your plan. Um, some of the carriers you're even talking about now, I, th- I think Alltel specifically uh, advertises how they don't change your plan or they don't change your contract if you just change your plan. Um, I don't know, Joey, what else What else do you think about this one? Because uh, I, you know, we're not in Canada, so we can't give any anecdotal experiences from what we've done, but I just say talk, talk to your friends. Talk to your friends and, and take take advantage of any trial periods that they may have. Make sure it works in your, your home or wherever you spend a lot of your time at to make sure that that particular service works for you in your particular locations where you where you are mostly, as you've recommended many times before. 
Yep, yep, absolutely. And I'm going to put in a link to the in the show notes here for you as well, Milan, because um, one of our regular listeners, Steve, has um, a website, arcx.com. And uh, this is a, a site that has all sorts of fantastic information about uh, Canada and all the networks in Canada uh, and just cell phones in general. So if you're interested, check that out uh, and appreciate. Uh, I pulled that information from an email that Steve had sent me uh, way back. And so it was very helpful in kind of giving you an, an overview of that. Question here from Greg. He says, Mickey and Joey, I have a request I had to request a replacement Trio 680 since mine has been giving me grief. I got the new one last week and loaded all my contacts and calendar stuff via HotSync with Outlook. I was leaving town for a few days, um, and when I got back, I started trying to figure out how we could get my call log and text messages off my old device. I wasn't even expecting to get it onto the new device. I just needed the data in a file for reference. I can't figure out how to do this. I bought Resco backup software and backed up the device, but it will not reload onto a different device. Here's the problem. I'm supposed to send it back no later than today, which was actually this past Monday, the 27th, or get charged $350 for it. Any suggestions? I do have Call Log Plus, and it says the data is supposed to be uh, linked to Outlook Contacts, but I can't find out how to access it. Any ideas, Greg, the sticky note man? Well, Joey, you really kind of did the legwork on this one, so I want to let you kind of talk about it and explain the different options uh, that Greg had for this. Well, what I found out, there's a, a, a call log export tool available called Trio Call Log Tool, uh, which will export the call log database, which is basically any Palm, um, Palm OS, Trio, anything over, it was like Trio 680 on, on newer. And it'll take uh, the, the phone call DB pdb which you'd see in a backup program for example and export it to a csv file which you can read in excel and many other uh many other formats um so in in other otherwise if you're just trying to to back up that particular file you just you know save the phone call db.pdb which will be in your hot sync uh, backup folder as well uh, so there's a few different spots for that um, SMS messages are in a, in a file called messages underscore database.pdp for the backup of those. So if you do uh, get a new device, you should be able to just restore that message database right on your new device and you should see all of your text messages again. So, and then there's one more, uh, program that he mentioned, uh, call log details, uh, call log plus. Um, I'm not sure how to run that one, but, uh, that one supposedly does do uh, batch exports as well. Great. And this was something that we were able to get um, to Greg in time. And so I think he was able to do what he needed to do and, and get that information off. So, um, but thanks again for Greg, uh, to Greg for writing in because it was a great question. Uh, and Joey, I know you had never really looked into this, so I think it was kind of good to learn. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, next one is a question from Wendy, and she says, Hi, although I've had a smartphone for two and a half years, I've not had a data plan on it until now. I enjoy having one device for my phone, podcasts, and occasionally a camera, and now so much more. Your show with Ali Flowers was very informative, but do you have other podcasts that deal with the applications and with Windows Mobile? I currently have Windows Mobile 5, but plan to purchase the, trio, the Touch Pro after it's been field tested by the early adopters. Also, my connection is spotty at best. Lots of disconnects. Is this to be accept, uh, expected with AT&T's service? This happens both on Internet Explorer and Skyfire. Love your podcasts, Wendy. Um, Wendy, first thing I want to say is... Um, 
depending on where you are is going to really depend on the type of service that you get from the particular provider that you have. Uh, if you're in an area that has poor service from AT&T, uh, there's not a lot that is going to be done with that, uh, with the exception of waiting. Uh, over time, the providers have historically shown that they will upgrade their systems, they will add new towers, they will make sure that the capacity is right. But if you're in an area that's got a lot of disconnects, you may have to wait longer than you want. Um, and if you're interested in... Um, leaving that particular network because of it, uh, it may, now is the time to do it right after you uh, have signed a new contract um, because you usually have that 30-day window. So talk to your provider. Uh, sounds like AT&T, as you're, as you're mentioning here. If you continue to have those problems, but do it in a timely manner so that you can get out before they, uh, they make you pay the early termination fee. Um, as far as other shows, the two shows that Joey do, uh, Joey and I do, are, of course, this show, The Cell Phone Junkie, and then we've got The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked show where we will talk about uh, you know anything and everything. that uh, We happened to have Allie on last week talking about Windows Mobile. Uh, this week, we were talking about towers, so we kind of switch it up and talk about whatever we feel like talking about, but try and give an educational uh, perspective to things so that uh, you, know, you can get the information that you're looking for from, uh, from our shows. Uh, for other Windows Mobile device um, shows that are out there, I've got a link for you here in the show notes that you can reference. It comes from the msmobiles.com site, which is a, another uh, podcast that I participate in on a weekly basis. And Edward over there does a, um, a weekly recap of all the, the shows that are out there that reference uh, Windows Mobile. So I want to make sure that you get that information to you and look for a link in the show notes under your name. You'll be able to, uh, you'll be able to click over there and see all the other shows that talk about Windows. Next one here is a comment from Joel, and he says, Last week, a user sent an email up asking about the Redfly. Since you stated that you hadn't used it, I thought I would share some information. It's uh, in one of Edward's podcasts, Allie mentioned using one, so she may have experiences to share as well. I own one, and as much as I love the device, I would not label it as a replacement for a laptop. However, despite having laptops, there are those of us that are already doing a lot of work-related tasks on our phones. With my phone, I check email, view and edit uh, office files, browse the web, listen to music, and use it as a portal to other information of interest such as news, weather, and directions. The red fly enhances the usability of the phone for those tasks that I'm already performing with my phone. Well, my phone doesn't have the processing power to replace my laptop. Uh, that I, now that I have the red fly, it will certainly displace my laptop and taking certain things like one-day trips, uh, and I've decided to leave my laptop behind. I'll be able to access all the functionality that I need on this trip with the red fly on my phone. My full-time occupation is that of a work-at-home software engineer consultant, and I've found that for reasons of security and keeping licensing fees low, the larger clients to which I have been assigned only allow external access to their internal systems via remote desktop. When using remote desktop, all of the processing is occurring on the remote server. My local machine is just acting as a terminal. The Redfly is convenient to have since I can use the remote desktop client on my phone to access these systems. Prior to having the Redfly, I wanted to if I wanted to leave my house for an extended time, I'd have to pack up my laptop, 3G data card, power adapter, and be prepared to find the closest place from which I could get my laptop plugged in in the event that I needed to jump into the remote desktop environment to take care of an unexpected emergency. Now that I have 
have the red fly, I can leave the house with just my phone and the red fly with all power saving features disabled. I've been able to leave the red fly turned on for over six hours, which included over three hours of conversation. Now for the negatives. Before purchasing one that you, you may want to know, there are some applications that don't do not scale to the larger screen resolution. For example, the phone dialer in, in Solitaire on my AT&T Tilt will only use the upper left 320 by 200 pixels of the screen. Also, applications that require hardware acceleration will not work on the Redfly. In most cases, this will be games. But some more serious applications also use hardware acceleration, acceleration such as Opera 9.5 Beta. Opera 8, however, does work fine, and it will not on the Redfly. Uh, also, and the refresh rate on the screen is low, so don't expect to be able to watch movies on the screen. I personally find the negatives to be a, to be minor annoyances, as I am able to more effectively do the same, uh, do some of the tasks that I've been doing with the with just a phone much better with the red fly. Well, thank you very much for the comments, Joel, on that. I, I do think the red fly is a very unique uh, device. It's got a unique set of features on it that a lot of people can benefit from. Obviously, there will always be certain things that you still need to use a laptop for, but for the day-to-day things that you may just want to be using you know, a laptop for, um, or excuse me, a, a phone for, you can certainly probably get those done via your um, via your red fly. Uh, anyway, thank you very much uh, for that. Again, thank you to everybody for sending in their questions this week. If you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 206-203-3734 or shoot us an email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com. Thank you very much for listening. And Joey, thank you as always. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.